What is good, ladies and gentlemen? We are back with another episode of the Bird Flock Podcast. Shanner, it's been uh, way too long. Way, way too long. Way too long. I think we've both been been hit with the summer grind a little bit, working and doing our thing. We haven't had the time to, to hop on the mic, but since we've been gone, I think the Owls have won, what, four straight, three straight? The boys are rolling like that, yeah. Boys are rolling, and uh, coming off, I think you can say without a doubt, the most exciting game of the year. Electrifying, electric, wild. Obviously, the Montreal Alouettes played the Ottawa Red Blacks. Um, went down early, stayed down a lot of the game, uh, and came back in the fourth quarter down fourteen to come back and win by one singular point. Uh, obviously, the game was in Ottawa. And uh, Shaner and I were in attendance. Uh, Shane, what do you? Uh, first of all, the last few games, what's uh, what's kind of on your mind, and just more specifically that this last game in Ottawa. Do I just want to talk about how crazy of a game it was? The fact that I was literally walking out of the stadium. Me too. Me too. So and came back in to watch the Alouettes win a game. Yeah. So me and Shane weren't there together, um, but when Caleb Evans threw what would have been. His fourth pick, I think. Um, Something like that. that. When he threw what would have been his fourth pick that got called back, Shane and I, without talking to each other, got up out of our seats and were ready to go. I don't know if you made your way to the exits yet. I did. I was literally like on my way out, going going to take a pee, and I hear like the ref saying, call was reversed. Yeah, and then I'm standing there waiting for like my sister and her friends in the bathroom, and I'm watching the Tyler Sneed touchdown on like those TVs they have like yeah. near the concession. And my sister's like, "All right, you ready to go?" And I was like, "No, like we're going back in." Yeah. And she's like, "What do you mean?" And I was like, "You just they reversed the interception. You just scored. Like it's a three point game or whatever." Yeah, no, I was the same thing. I was like, because I stayed in my seat. I was I was looking at my girlfriend. I'm like, "You want to go?" And she 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 has no idea what the fuck's going on. She's like, "Why?" I'm like, we're down fucking, we're down 15, and he just threw his fourth pick of the game. Like, I'm done. I'm done here. And she's like, oh, okay, we can go. And then by the time that <laughs> by the time that happened, I hear whatever, the under automatic review by the command center. I'm like, all right, let me hear this out. And then I see the replay, and I, I don't see why it was overturned. I don't get why. I literally, like, my sister was like, I thought he caught it. I was like, he did, but I'll take it. Like, Yeah. And then... They reversed it. Tyler Sneed scored the next play or something like that. And uh, the rest is history. Obviously, great defensive stops. Caleb Evans ran it in with 17 seconds or something like that left in the game. Not even. Um, I don't even know what else to say. Like, it was. It was one of just the best games to be at. Uh, like, I couldn't even imagine it it going like that. A little upset that my bet didn't hit. But you know what? I'm, a, I'm happy the Owls won the game. Also, so Shaner's bet was Al's minus one and a half. Minus one and a half, and they went oh. for two. So they went for two, which if you just kicked the PAT, would have would have cashed. Yeah. Um, but essentially what that means for non-betting people is Shane bet the Al's to win by at least two points. That's how his, his bet would have cashed. Um, but friend of the show, Reggie Stubblefield, was looking out for you. I thought like, he, he just knew Shaner had minus one and a half. When he had that interception on the last play of the game. Dude, if he scored, I would have jumped on the field with him. Dude, not 99 times out of 100, a DB takes that and he slides, runs out and slides. Reggie had the fucking house on his mind. He was going to score. 
But uh, obviously got tripped up by an old lineman. But dude, I swear to God, if he scored, I was jumping on the field. I don't care. They would have had to escort me out of there. <laughs> but like we haven't really spoken much since Reggie's been inserted into the starting lineup on here. But what a fucking few games he's been having. He was Amazing. the I mean, top rated top rated PFF DB two weeks ago. Um, obviously had the interception this week. Um, it it just blows my mind. And I, I mean, we weren't fans of the move to begin with, but it blows my mind how he was ever cut out of training camp. Yeah. And I was just going to say that if you sit there and you watch the episode of us being furious about him getting cut, I think, and you didn't understand why we were furious. I think right now you understand why we were furious about the move. Um, I know it took a lot of injuries and stuff for, for him to get on the field, but this is just proving that he deserved to be on the field the whole time. And um, it's really adapted to the game quite quickly. Uh, and in the interview that when I had with him uh, a couple of months back, uh, just talking about his versatility, and that's exactly what he's showing. Yeah. Uh, every play, really, uh, whether he's he's at, you know, closer to the the line of scrimmage or he's he's deeper, uh, playing inside outside. Sometimes I think he's even getting some reps uh, near the linebacking core. It's just, he's just showing why it's so valuable to have him on the team, mm-hmm. and why it was such a question mark that you cut such a versatile guy. Um, especially in a defense that uh, you look at, at two of the linebackers are, are essentially DBs and Bev and Najee Murray, um, guys like that, that you kind of change their positions and you would think that Reggie Stubblefield would have stayed. But nonetheless, I think a lot of teams are sitting there being like, damn, how did we not, you know, how, did, you, how did we not pick up the phone when he got cut? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's he's excited to be here and, and talking to him. Uh, recently he's excited to be here he's happy it's Montreal uh, he wants to give everything for the city like he said in that interview and that's exactly what he's doing and man he, he wears he's just one of those guys who wears his heart on the sleeve on his sleeve and it's like amazing to see a guy like that succeed yeah no 100% I love it I love it this is the type of guy that could be here for you know five whatever five plus years and be that like staple on a defense and like a fan favorite on a defense I could totally see it look and I, and I just think like Losing the face of the franchise, if you want to say that, and Gino Lewis and the fan favorite. Um, Montreal's looking for an, a new guy to rally behind. And it's very hard not to put him in a, in the conversation with the pa- the way the past couple weeks have gone. I agree. And he's just got the name for it, too. Like, Reggie Stubblefield's a fucking... Yeah, the sauce boss, baby. Yes, sir. I had no idea. His fa- <laughs> I had no clue. <laughs> His family was the, the Stubbs barbecue sauce and all that. I had no yeah. idea. Makes sense. But uh, that, that's actually fun and something like we didn't talk about or plan on speaking about. But if you were to say, you know, like, like you said, the Owls need a new face of their franchise. If you were to like give a top three right now into who you think those people are, what would you what would you say? Listen, I think and and everybody's number one is going to be the same thing, I think. And I think it's William Stanback is 100%. is the number one option. Um, look, I want to throw Cody in there the way he's played this year. I know he's under a two-year contract, but I think just the way he's played this year and and it's kind of bounced back to that MOP form. Yeah. And then honestly, defensively, I think it it has to be Reggie in the conversation at some point. Yeah. Uh, just the way he's played. Um, just I feel like I, the most I see about someone on defense, aside from Dequois, so I'm going to put Dequois at three. It is Reggie, um, the person I hear most about the past couple of weeks on on the defensive side of the ball. I agree. And, and and another one we hear all the time over the last four weeks is Sean Lemon. Who, oh, buddy, what a signing. What a signing. We're 4-0 and since Sean Lemon joined. 
He um, completely revamped the defense. Completely. Completely. Um, and I'm sure I, we haven't spoken to him yet. We're, we're in the process of setting up something with him and, you know, he wants to get his, his roots settled here in Montreal a little bit before he hops on with us. But um, I think he'll admit he's maybe, uh, he's maybe too far into his CFL career and has played for too many teams to be considered the face of the Alouettes right now. Um, so I won't give him that title. I think number one, you said it has to be William Stanback just for what he does in the city too, and how involved he is in the city and how much he loves the city. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that he has to be the face of this team and is the face of this team. Uh, but a name you didn't mention is obviously Austin Mack, who continues to impress, continues to shine. And I think it's safe to say he's not going to slow down this year. And the first game of the season wasn't a fluke. The first three games of the season weren't a fluke. And now the first half of the season was the fluke either. This guy's just a player, man. He is just a straight up player. Like, and you you see you really clearly see it now defenses are keen on him he's getting double covered he he has a safety looking over top of him whatever it is but he's finding ways to get open and he's having those 75 to 100 yards game yard games consistently and it's just it's it's amazing and i think after gino left montreal is looking for a receiver to cling on and like a receipt like the fans at least are looking for that that guy and i think austin mack has quickly become that like in ottawa i saw like three or four of the red austin mac jerseys oh yeah yeah i saw like maybe two or three but yeah i saw i saw a bunch of the austin mac jerseys um and i i think the last one you have to give it to dequa too just obviously being from quebec like when they announced the starting when they announced the starting defense at percival molson like dequa without a doubt gets the loudest cheer and it makes sense Right, he's he's a hometown boy, Montreal Carabin alum. Uh, so I think you got to put him there as the face of the franchise too. Yeah, uh, going off the receiver thing, if you just look at Montreal's history with receivers, you know, we're talking about guys in my lifetime like Kerry Watkins, S.J. Green, Jamal Richardson, you know, like Brian Bratton. Like this is all like big, Montreal's always had big time receivers, and I think Austin Mack is just uh, adding adding his name to cementing his name to that list right now. Uh, but I want to talk about Tyler Sneed, man, because that one week where he had the three touchdowns, he's proven like Austin Mack, it was not a fluke. This guy's come oh. in and and in a way where I thought that Tyson Philpott was coming in back healthy, going to be that number two receiver role and take K-On's, uh reps, essentially. It's essentially what Tyler Sneed's doing right now is he's becoming that security blanket that yep. K-On was for quarterbacks. Yep. I, I know it was Caleb Evans the last two games, and it, it could be different with Cody Fajardo, uh, how he builds his – his report with Tyson, but it just looks like he's the new security blanket in Montreal. Yeah. And he's, he's flourishing in it. Like the moment has never been too big for him. Uh, He's scoring with seems like every week, if you hammer anytime touchdown score, it seems like the safest bet on, on the betting app right now. So if I told you Tyler Sneed would have six touchdowns this year and two multi-touchdown games, you would have called me insane. Yeah. The, you, you first your first question would have been wait who's Tyler Sneed? It also would have been like how did he get on the field? That too, right? And this is a guy that started the year on the practice squad, right? And with injuries like we saw with Reggie and things like that, um, it shows how you know deep these two cores are. And um, say what you want, but it shows to how awesome of a job Danny Machocha did this offseason too, finding these gems. And and Danny Machocha and obviously there's a whole team behind him with you know scouting and whatnot in the u.s and things like that but 
it shows how unreal of a job they've done so far. Look, for a team that was supposed to be rebuilding, currently sitting one, one game out of first place in the East against the defending Grey Cup champions, <laughs> you obviously did something right in the offseason, finding gems that not a lot of people knew or anybody knew, really, some of these guys uh, coming in and just balling out and, and getting – it seems like every week there's two or three uh, players on the Owls that are the top performer at their position or winning uh, player of the week or something like that. Yeah, dude, think about it. On offense, Austin Mack, Tyler Sneed came out of nowhere. We had no idea who they were. On defense, it's even crazier. Reggie Stubblefield, KB Ento, Cordell Rogers. I'm sure I'm missing other ones too. We're also talking about the guy that led the team in tackles, switching from corner to linebacker before his injury. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, it's nuts. It's nuts. I'm saying just like what the, the talent we found this year. Ento's been another one that's been like, what a find. Like, what yeah. a find. No, this guy came in and he was just starting at corner and yeah. has, what, two, three interceptions? Yeah. A, couple, like, uh, a touchdown, almost another touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's nuts. It's nuts the depth that we've that we've established in, funny enough, the positions that we were most worried about coming into the season. It's crazy how it works that way, but. Yeah. Uh, so now on the uh, on the agenda for the Alouettes this week uh, are the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We've played them once this year. Cody's back. Cody's back. How? First of all, before we get into that, what what's your 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 first thoughts on a how Caleb did and and b how important it is to have Cody back? Look, I think I think Caleb did a a good job. Uh, obviously, uh, won the two games. Yeah. Uh, there's just some moments that you could see that he's a young quarterback and and still hasn't yeah. had that much experience in this league. Uh, moments like like the the pick he threw where he threw it up to to Q. It was just kind of I'm under pressure. I'm gonna chuck it up and hope yeah. that my guy's gonna make a play. Yeah. Uh, and it was a play where like Q was 20 yards away from the ball and he had to sprint to try yeah. and like even make a play on the ball mm-hmm. uh, instead of just kind of throwing it out of bounds. Um, but when you watch that guy with the ball in his hands in open, in open field, man, it's exciting to see him run, run with that ball. Cause mm-hmm. he could turn like, you know, say what you want about Cody with the ball in his hands and everything, but there's like a 10 year difference in, in, in Cody and, and Caleb. Yeah. Young, fresh legs, a guy that who's kind of known, I guess, as a running quarterback in the CFL, it's just like he could take what you think is going to be a seven, uh, two yard gain for about seventy yards if he has to. You even look at you even look at the last play of the game. I love. Cody. I thought he. I thought he was getting caught from behind. I love Cody. Cody's my quarterback. I think Cody gets caught there. I, don't I also think, think Cody throws that ball. Yeah, yeah. I, but I don't think Cody makes it to the pylon. No, that, that's, not that's... not saying that Cody would have forced the throw. But I think he would have tried a lot harder to make a throw than Caleb did. hundred percent, hundred percent. And look, there's there's only so much we can complain about, not complain about, but Caleb went two and zero. When when your number one quarterback goes down, you don't expect him to come in and your offense not miss a beat, right? You can the coaches can say that all the all they want. You know, we don't want to miss a beat. Nothing changes. Whatever. There's gonna be there's gonna be something that changes up. Something's gonna be different. Um, and I think the big thing for that was our special teams and defense were good enough to carry 
a, not a struggling offense, but the the offense struggled in the first three quarters versus the Red Blacks. Um, so to, to to actually carry us, you know, for these last two games is huge. Um, I would have liked to see maybe, um, and and again, not to say that Caleb should have been pulled or anything like that. I would, I just would have loved to see Davis Alexander, um, play. Obviously, like we saw him in the preseason, we've you know seen him train all off season, spoke to him. Um, I think just the excitement was there. We really wanted to see him, but um, no, there, there's only so much you can really ask of Caleb. And I think he delivered really everything you could ask of him. Um, I also think it, it made the offense uh, so much harder to run because, um, well, one stand back played only one of the games. Yeah. Um, and they, that you could tell from, from snap one, that box was stacked knowing damn well that they were going to try and force feed stand back um, and, and kind of run RP, more RPOs than they, they normally run with Cody. Mm-hmm. Um, so for him, I know he didn't uh, have go crazy in the first game passing wise, but Caleb came out and, and showed that he could, um, you know, as he gets older and as he gets more experience uh, to eliminate the mistakes, he showed that he could beat you with his arm. Uh, which is something that I think a lot of people doubted from him um, coming into the season. And I think he kind of, I know it was one game. Uh, I think he kind of shut shut up the, the people that, that said that he could only run and, and was only ever going to be a, a one of those, you know, Adrian McPherson type of quarterbacks where if you get him start, he can't do it. But if, if you need him to score 14 touchdowns a year, yeah. he's going to be able to do it for you. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And then, like I said, so we we head to to Winnipeg this week. Cody's back. The offense should be back. One name that we still have no idea about is Greg Ellingson. I don't know if this guy's going to suit up at any point this year. Um, I really don't know. Um, but that's a wrinkle that come playoff time, if you're if you're the Alouettes, is it something that you you want to keep in your back pocket? You you know, we have Greg Ellingson here, one of the best CFL receivers in the last decade. Or is it our offense is rolling right now? We don't want to mess with things too much. Like I, that, that's where I don't even know the answer. I don't even know my answer yet. But look, I think it's one of those. Hey, we dress him. Yeah, to start to have him on the roster. You start him if the offense isn't clicking. You know, we have we have other weapons that we could get away from him. Yeah, uh, rather rather easily. But to sit here and say that you know a guy that could potentially be a CFL Hall of Famer. Will probably be a CFL. will probably be a CFL Hall of yeah. Famer. It's not. It's not someone that I think you could just healthy scratch in the playoffs or no. Or, no. or deep in the season if you really really need a win. Yeah. No, so I, I, I think you got to give him at least a chance. I think he's going to get a few games in the regular season. If if your goal is to, for him to play in the playoffs, I think he has to get. You know, I think Montreal. I've said it multiple times. Is cemented in that number two uh, team in the East. Yeah. I think they're going to be locked into that spot with a couple weeks left in the season. I think it's one of those you play him, you get him his game reps the last two, three weeks of the season in hopes that, you know, he, he catches the full offense. Well, uh, for the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. I have to agree. And that's just, I can't wait to see him, man. Oh man. I can't wait. I was fired up when they signed him. He's one of those guys I wanted. We said in our, in our preview season preview is the guy I wanted the most. Uh, I just, I, I'm like itching for him to come back. That's how I felt with Tyson. And Tyson hasn't, you know, it, it takes time, right? Especially for a receiver where 
you know, uh, and with Cody and Caleb, like they've built a rapport with these guys in camp over the last when and first, you know, weeks of the season for for the last what four months. Um, so it's tough for Tyson to come back in, and it's going to be tough for Greg Ellington to come back in. But once this offense is at full speed, it's it's like it, it's going to be it's going to be deadly. I would even argue it's it's harder for Tyson to come back than Greg Ellingson because Greg Ellingson knows this offense. He's been in this offense. Tyson yeah. Philpott's never been in this offense. That's true. That is also true. I would also just like to talk about one player, the one player okay. only right now. And I'm pretty sure you know what this player is going to be. And I'm pretty sure everyone listening knows who this player is going to be because I talk about him every damn week. Yeah. Yeah. Why does Walter Fletcher go off in one week and then the next week, he's not on the damn field. It doesn't make sense. They put him on the one game injured list, but I don't know if that was more of like a, we need the roster spot, or if he's actually hurt. I don't but why so. is he not even dressed? Not even dressed. Not even I dressed. I know. I'm so tired of it, man. It doesn't make sense. It like something's like he goes. He had a, like 120 all-purpose yards against Saskatchewan. <sighs> Or Calgary. No, uh, I don't remember. Saskatchewan. Yeah, Saskatchewan. And then, like, it doesn't – it it makes In no – In a game where the offense put up the most points all season, by the yeah. way. Also that. Also that. It it all doesn't make sense to me. But, anyways, we're off to Winnipeg this week. Um, schedule makers, like, you could say, oh, they, they didn't – they wouldn't know that Winnipeg or BC was going to be this good. They didn't know Toronto was going to be this good. They fucked us this year. Two times in one season, we get Winnipeg, Toronto, BC back to back to back. Yep. Makes no sense. It's actually Winnipeg, BC, Toronto, Toronto again. Yes, you're right. And then it's Calgary. Yeah, and then we we finish off the year pretty easy. Calgary, Ottawa, Ottawa, Edmonton. Yeah. So on, so on. But, like, I don't know. Maybe it's, it's just, just it just makes for like, hey, you win one of those games, you're amazing. Set. Like, yeah, you're set. But like, if we can, just, the ups and downs of the season doesn't make sense when you're playing the weak teams when yeah. you're clearly, clearly the fourth best team in the league. Playing the weak teams that you're beating them all, and then you play the three strongest teams, and like you're you lost. The first game to Winnipeg in a shitty weather game. Yeah. You lost like three fumbles in that game. I think they could beat Winnipeg. You played Toronto. You always play Toronto hard in one of the games of the year, in my opinion, at yeah. home. Absolutely game of the year. We got into a shootout. Yeah. Toronto. Lost by a touchdown and uh, like whatever. And yeah. then you got blown out by BC, whatever. Yeah. You played. Now you have to do it again. But now you have to do it again. Yeah, exactly. So if like. From a from a making the playoffs perspective, if we can escape this winning one game, right, and be seven and six at the end of this stretch, I'm okay with it. I'm I don't want to be under five hundred after this four game stretch. I think you have to sneak out one of the games, and I think the most realistic scenario is you probably beat Toronto one of the games or beat BC at home. Um, that would be that would be my. Well, I think my... it depends on what's happening with Caleros. Yeah. I mean, I know he came back and he was practicing or he was seen at practice there. Yeah. I don't know if he's playing. If he's not playing, I think that's one you have to win. Have to. 
because look, when Drew Brown came in and for Caleros in the, the game, he actually got hurt. He looked money. He was playing the Elks. That's a whole different story. Last but week? last week did not look great. No. So if if you're Montreal and you, you we get the news or I don't know, I'm sure they'll treat it the same way we've been treating Cody to where it's a game time decision. Um, but if it comes out that Drew Brown is the starting quarterback, this is this turns from a like a oh I'd love to sneak in you know one of the four to this is a must win game. Mm-hmm. It has to be. It has to be because if this because like you think about it, if if we win this game and then we we sneak one against Toronto, we can make a push for the number one seed in the East, which is wild. Hundred percent. Yeah, but for, I, think, for- I think it's um, I think even with Kalaros. Coming off injury, hasn't hasn't been out, out there for a few weeks. Yeah, I think they could still beat Winnipeg with Caleros. Like I said, they lost what seventeen to seven, in a game where it was shitty weather. They fumbled the ball like three times. Yeah, I think that game was closer than than whatever it looked like. I think there's they could a, beat Winnipeg. There's the Kenny Lawler factor, but yeah, uh... but I think back to back against Toronto, I think that that one of those is a win. You have to win one. Yeah, I think it. I think it's very hard to beat a team. Twice in the same season, it's even harder to beat them in back-to-back weeks. Yeah, and it's harder to beat them three times in one season. Yeah, that's so it. I think that's that. I think one of those is a win. And um, I don't want to say for BC, I don't want to say the wheels have fallen off because they haven't, but they don't look as good as they once did. This mm-hmm. is a team that come week three they were number one in the power rankings, and you know we were talking about oh the Winnipeg dynasty is over. BC is the best team in the league. Vernon Adams is the MOP. Whatever, it's 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 a very different situation from now, to where I don't think I would bet money on it, or people would the vast majority of people would agree. But you're in a situation now where you could make the case that Montreal could be three and BC could be four, right? BC just came off a loss to Saskatchewan. You could make the case. Um, mm-hmm. So I think realistically, all of these are winnable games. So I think for me to feel comfortable, I'd like to win half of them i'd like to win two or four um and then you know end out the year just not momentum but not gimme games but like momentum building games against ottawa or hamilton or edmonton and things like that and really ride into the playoffs hot because if you if you come out of this stretch 500 like uh like two and two between these games that the, the momentum that you're going to ride into the, into the playoffs into the the last few games of the season are going to be like unreal are you predicting two and two? I think I am. I think I think it's gonna be. I don't know. My gut says two and two, but I'm. I don't know why I think we could be three and one or one and three. I don't think we go zero and four. I think there's no way we don't sneak one of them. But I don't see us losing to BC at home. If Caleros doesn't play, I don't see us losing to Winnipeg, and I don't see Toronto beating us back to back games. Yeah. I'm, so going, I'm going two and two. I'm saying two and two personally. Are you going to give me the games you think, or? I think it's one against Toronto, and it's it's this weekend. So or Thursday. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that with Claros or without Claros, I think they beat Winnipeg. Yeah, I think that's the most reasonable guess. I would I would say. And then for for this week, outside of Claros, which is the big you know hanging you know confusion, I guess. What's some of the, the 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 key points that we have to like that you're focusing on for for the Owls this week? 
Yeah, I think it's getting Tyson involved. Yeah. And and like it's just I get that it's a new offense. I get that he's what, three weeks, four weeks healthy? Three weeks. But like a guy that dynamic needs the ball in his hands. Yeah. And whether it's taking the the four screens a game that you threw to K on and giving him three of the four or like jet sweeps or like I'm not saying you need to throw it fifteen yards downfield to him. Or like thirty yards downfield. I'm saying that guy just needs the ball in his hands. Well, I think that's that's how they introduced him into the offense last year, right? It was those yeah. jet screens. It was the he came in for select red zone plays. He came in for these select random plays. Like it was very tailored for Tyson Philpot. And I think to get him back into the groove, to get him back into the swing of things, you have to have an identical approach. It has yeah. to be this play Honestly, is called for Tyson. Like, and if you're not going to use Walter Fletcher. Second down running back position. Yeah. Like, these are things that this guy could do yeah. that if you're not going to use another guy on the roster that should be doing it, why not use Tyson? Yeah. Screen passes, bubbles, stuff like that. Just get the ball in his hands quickly and let him do what he does in space. Yeah. And then for the defense, it's the same thing that's been happening since Sean Lemon got there, and that's just get after the quarterback. Yeah. Whether it's Drew Brown, whether it's Zach Caleros. You got to get after him. Which is wild because, again, like a lot of things have changed midseason, but we were talking about the Owls not being able to get pass rush, the Owls not being able to get home. Like Bev had two sacks last week. I think the Owls defense in total had five last week. Bro, they had five, seven sacks in five games before Sean Lemon. Yeah. I'm pretty sure in the first two games that he was here, they had more than five. 100%, without a doubt. 100%. Like this guy, one game he had two of them by himself. Get a pick, get a forced fumble, fumble recovery. Man, that man just did everything. He's a nutcase. But and and again, nothing to talk bad about Nick Usher. I loved Nick Usher's time in Montreal. I loved everything about it. But you see how much more opposing offenses respect and fear Sean Lemon. And you see that in the matchups that JD is getting now. And JD is getting to the quarterback a lot more now, too, right? He's getting that that he's not getting that chip. He's not getting the the fullback, the the stack on his side, right? It's all going to Lemon, and JD's taking advantage of that. And the, the entire defense is taking advantage of that. And not for nothing, Noel Thorpe is drawing up and and timing up some some really nice blitzes and, and packages. Like I saw Daquan a few blitzes against uh against Ottawa. I saw some really nice packages. Obviously, like I said, Bev had two sacks. Um so I, I'm I'm really really loving the just the improvement and not restructure but just retooling of the entire defense. Yeah, and we we even talked about it like JD was was getting you know his pressures, but he wasn't really getting there. Yeah, he's starting to get there. Yeah, he has three sacks this year. Sean Lemon has four. Yeah, like this is this is Sean Lemon has four in four games. Like this is what exactly what we needed, um, what we were like pressing for, and now JD has three and seven. Yeah, which I think he had one before Lemon was here. Yeah, he did. So in four games, your two starting pass rushers have six sacks. You can't really ask for any more than that. Nope. And you tie that in with what my favorite defensive player Mustafa Johnson and Mondo and all of them have been doing too, and. Honestly, Loa Luguak too has been great in rotation. 
Um, you combine that with what they're all doing and the pressure you're getting from the linebackers, like it's 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 a huge difference. And you're and you're seeing it too with the play in the DBs, right? You're getting we're getting so many more balls chucked up and things like that. And also saying that now, I completely forgot Siante Evans was on the Alouettes. What the wait fuck? till he's back, man. I just completely forgot Siante Evans was on the house. Wait till he's back and he's getting the time to cover those those receivers, those speedy re- DB uh, receivers that were beating him yep. uh, in the first couple weeks of the season. Yeah. This guy's going to have like seven picks. It's just weird. Like, how does he go from game time decision to where Cordell Rogers had to warm up like with by himself because it was that much of a late last minute decision? to being out for five straight weeks. I don't get how it goes from one. And like not hearing anything about him. No, I don't get that. But anyways, once he gets back, once that uh, the the whole defense is retooled and ready to go, it's going to be very scary come playoff time. And you saw this last year with the Owls, right? The Owls got hot at the right time. And I think it's going to be the exact same situation this year. Um, And I think we have a better team and, and honestly better coaching, I would say to where, we can beat a team like Toronto or a team like Winnipeg come playoff time. A hundred percent. I have no doubt. I think we, we finally have the offense yep. to compete with what they were scoring against us. Yep. And the defense is just always comes together late in the season in Montreal. It seems like, yeah. seems like every year we're sitting there like panicking about the defense around like week three, week four, week five. And then they're winning playoff games because of the defense. Yep. And now they have the offense that can keep up with the defense if Cody's fully healthy and Cody's playing like he was at the beginning of the year. Yeah, but you think about it, the last few weeks, this defense has been amazing. Let's let's call it let's call it what it is. You're missing your starting middle linebacker, huge free agent signing Avery Williams. He'll be back, right? Najee won't be back, but you're missing Siante. You're missing all these guys, like, and and the defense is still performing like that. Imagine in three, four, five weeks from now, come playoff time when everyone's healthy. Yeah. But also just like to say that preseason bet of seven and a half wins is looking Smoked. amazing. Smoked. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Shaner, this was a blast. Much needed. Always is. We uh we will not leave you guys hanging for, for three weeks like we did just now. We will uh we will be back next week without a doubt following the Oz game against Winnipeg. Um but as always, guys, drop a like on the video, drop a follow on Instagram, subscribe on YouTube, follow us on Twitter. And uh, Shane, are any last words here? I was by four on Thursday. Oh, baby. I was by four and a half. Lock it in. Oh, baby.